Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. Today, I have been just so excited to share a little bit more about my own story in my process to healing. And as I was thinking about this this morning, I was like, man, like there are so many things that I could talk about, but I think the most impactful thing that we get often out of hearing people talk is their stories and how they arrived at where they arrived and how are they doing? Like after going through such horrible trauma or horrible betrayal and how did they overcome or what's their journey like, or what is to be expected. And so I would call this my story part two, um, years later after experiencing the worst days of my life. And I've been kind of thinking about this because I'm in my, where this is where I had my discovery season, uh, four years ago. So there were certain months, September and October where things unfolded with what was happening with my husband, things that I learned about myself on my responses to his behavior, um, things that I discovered about my own story before I met him that led me into responses that I had based on what he was doing and why I was the way I was and why I'm still in this process of unfolding my own story. And I think it's really important to understand other people's stories, not because of comparison, because we really can't compare. Like you can't embody my story. You didn't experience what I experienced. I didn't experience what you experienced, but we have a common experience when it comes to pain and betrayal. We have a common experience when it comes to trauma. And so let me lay a little bit of that out there for you first. So when it comes to trauma, and I've mentioned this before, the best definition that I can express to you is by Gabor Mate, which his definition of what becomes trauma is when we have a traumatic experience that becomes embodied when we are alone in the experience. And with my particular type of work and uh, that I do for my clients and the work that I've done for myself, I will tell you this is the absolute truth. Trauma sets into the body when we are alone and our experiences. And this could be in so many different like phases or levels of trauma, like trauma can be a bullying experience where you're alone. You didn't have the support you, you froze and that memory that all the emotions, everything gets trapped inside and you are literally stuck in that place when certain other experiences happen. And that reactivates that particular part of your body that still hasn't been able to process through that experience. So it can be on all different levels. And when we're talking about betrayal trauma or trauma uh, and betrayal trauma, just so you know, like this, this is on a scale of this could be stuff that you, that happened to you in childhood, um, anything like sexual abuse by somebody that is your caregiver or um, maybe another family member, that is betrayal trauma because somebody is betraying you in your body and harming you 
while they're supposed to be protecting you. So it's that experience of betrayal, or maybe you have a parent that um, wasn't able that that harm that was harmful, and they didn't repair, and you, you that got trapped in your body. You know, there there's so many things that trauma in this way is related to. But ultimately, when we're talking about betrayal trauma, we're talking about attachment wounding. We're talking about where the the attachment that was there, whether that's with a parent, a sibling, or a caregiver in, in childhood, that um, has become a rupture based on attachment specifically. I've seen this even um, in some of my clients that had friends that were harmful to them, that they were supposed to be bonded with this friend. This was their best friend. And then come to find out there was betrayal happening behind the scenes. And so as even as kids, we can experience this and often do experience this in multiple relationships where we are attached. And so there's a difference between that kind of trauma versus a trauma where, you know, maybe we see an accident or we're in an accident. Those are different types of traumas. And I find that betrayal trauma is much more complex because relationships are supposed to be our safety. Relationships are supposed to be where we can settle in and, and feel at peace and at home. And then when that place is not safe and that is not home, it becomes a state of hypervigilance. So then if you go into adulthood and you have layers of betrayal of in relationship that was supposed to be attachments, they were supposed to be safe. They were supposed to be the place of feeling like home and peace. Then you have another added layer of trauma that is different again than if you were in an accident or saw something significantly like happen that was very painful. So this is this is attachment pain we're talking about here. And I've had to sift through this personally for the last several years of what is happening and all the complexity of the pain that I've experienced. And looking back at my own story, I've had multiple betrayal traumas, not just in like my uh, adult life, but in my childhood, I've had multiple places in my life where I felt extremely betrayed and couldn't leave the attachment because it was for survival. You know, it was with my parents or it was with my siblings. And I, I never really knew how deep it was and how, uh, traumatic and how damaging and fracturing and fragmenting those betrayals from my childhood were until I went through the betrayal in my marriage. And so let me explain this. I, I remember when I was younger, I would, I, I remember when I was like younger in my like early twenties, I was seeking out help because I felt something was not right on the inside. And, and I was going to these like spiritual modalities, I would go like to like a, an inner healing thing to fix this fracture. And I would go towards like anything except for like counseling in a sense, you know, I, I did do counseling, but I didn't find that that was quite as helpful. And I, oh my gosh, I even remember like early on, and I might've mentioned this before, but early on in my marriage, we had gone to a counselor because we were both, you know, I had found some stuff that my husband was looking at and, and, uh, this counselor, instead of her being there for me, she ended up wanting counseling more from me. And I was just so like taken back. I, I, I really needed her help and her support. 
And it kind of played on this role that I had taken early on to get my needs met, which was to be a caretaker. And I didn't know how to be in relationship without being a caretaker. I didn't know how to receive in relationship. And so then, then we get into this therapy and I think at this time I'm 24 and I'm like super broken already at this point, but not as broken as what I was four years ago, but I'm pretty broken by what happened. And now I'm in this professional relationship where they're supposed to be the professional for me, but like, she's wanting advice for me. She's wanting me to help her and assist her. And it was just so twisted and so because I didn't know how to get my needs met and the safety of relationship by me being able to be vulnerable with my parents, by me being able to share the deeper pain, um, I ended up finding the way to get my needs met was by being a caretaker for others, being there for others. So it, it put me in this category of like massive empath. And it's interesting because I do help people now, but it's from a different place. And I, and I really believe to be honest with you, that my, the caretaking in a healthy way was God given. I believe that it was put into me to be somebody who would help and care for people and have empathy for people, but it got twisted along the way. And this kind of brings up another thought as I'm considering it with even some of the things that my husband and I have talked about, like some of his distorted um, issues, because he has a real high discerner part of him. And he's, he, there's things actually that in the past he would even warn me about and be like, I don't feel right about this. And it ended up being right. It ended up being right. And so part of that discernment that he had was twisted into knowing like how he would be able to act out. And so it, it got twisted in an unhealthy way. And that was based on childhood wounding as well. So it is interesting how things that are actual gifts and like how you're designed and made can be really twisted. And so I had to untwist that. I had to come into a realization like, oh my gosh, like I've been trying to get, I the way I've been getting my needs met all this time is through caregiving. And when the people that I care give for, this is me giving advice and being there for them and and literally like being exhausted while I'm being there for them. <laughs> um, this puts me in a position of a one up position over another person. And then when they do not do what I told them, then I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm like, what's wrong with them? Like, why can't they hear what I'm saying? Like, this is the right way to go. And yet I couldn't even provide stuff for myself. And so as I was doing my healing journey, um, that was actually one of the first things that I tapped into that I was aware of. And it came out of a situation with my mom. And I really want to say, God bless her. Like she did the best she could. She didn't have parents growing up. She didn't have a mom. Her mom died too. And her dad died when she was a, a late teen. And so there was a lot of stuff. She didn't have the skills to provide for me. She tried, but it just, my needs weren't met. That's, that's the reality. And the ways that I needed, um, they weren't met. And back then there really wasn't, uh, many resources for parents. And I get that now, you know, but I want to say the reality is my needs weren't met and I can own the tension between two spaces. I can have empathy for her, her lack that, that she wasn't able to provide for me. And I can say, and there was damage because my needs weren't met in this way. That doesn't make her bad. That just makes the needs 
being highlighted more. And so I learned early on to be this caretaker and it wasn't until the betrayal like came full explosive and like we went through full disclosure that I had a conversation with my mom. She reacted a certain way and it just, it was like, it was eye opening. It was like, oh my gosh, whoa, I've been doing caretaking even for my mom and I didn't even realize this. And this has caused me a lot of harm. And so a lot of the betrayal that I was experiencing, a lot of the pain was coming from multiple areas. And that was my first recognition of what was really happening inside of me. It was like, I married my husband in this like thought process too, subconsciously that I could change him. I could form him into what I needed and wanted. And it felt safer with him for some reason. Maybe it's because he was similar to my dad in a lot of ways. Who knows? There are so many things that are still unfolding in that. Um, but I, I ended up doing very similar things, caretaking for him. I mean, oh my gosh, I remember when we first got married, I thought, okay, like marriage, like this is what it looks like. Like I'm going to iron his clothes. I'm going to make his dinner. And you know what? I hated all of that. I hate cooking. I don't like to iron. If I was really honest with you, I spray my clothes to get the wrinkles out, like, and let them hang dry because I don't, I don't want to do it. You know, I don't, I get like frustrated when I'm ironing and I'm trying to like press out lines. It's a whole nother subject. Anyways, my husband, he irons and I'm like, that's on you now, you know, but, but there was so many caretaking things that I was doing from the beginning. And it was harmful to me because I really, I really, it wasn't like a wholehearted, this is what I want to do. It wasn't like, yes, this is how I want to like serve you and like, love you. This is no, it was out of trying to earn love. And so as I've grown in my process over these years, I've been able to really discover the many, many ways that I was playing this out in my life. And one of the pains, and actually I can still feel this because it's still in process because it's so young. One of the ways that was so painful for me when I found out about my husband's betrayal was I loved you well. I honored you. I respected you. I'm beautiful. I'm this, I'm that I'm blah, 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 blah. Like it was all about me. And it ended up being like, well, none of it, all the behavior wasn't about me anyways. It wasn't about the relationship. It was about his problem long before I met him. It was about his attachment disorder, literally an attachment disorder that he came into the relationship with. And so, but there, there's this part of me that has not fully, even still, there's parts of me that are still in process because of my own childhood wounding. Now I can understand it logically. I can say he has an attachment disorder. That's, that's real. Uh, he has, he didn't have any repair as a child. That's real. And this is how he learned to get his needs met in a sense, uh, not in relationship, not in connection in false ways of getting connected, not connected though, on any level. I can logically reason that out, but my body still can have responses out of the place of, well, I was this, I was that, like, you know, and, and trying to figure it out and it's a process. And so my process has been unfolding multiple layers throughout the years of, of pain that I never dealt with. And one of the things that I will say that I'm absolutely grateful for in this process and I hate to say this, but like, in one sense, I'm grateful for the pain you guys, because 
if I had not experienced this betrayal, I would have never known what was underneath the surface. And as I say this, I can feel myself getting emotional because wow, like, like really there is a path of healing forward, but it's always through pain. And, and I hate to say that because without us feeling a pain, we don't know what needs to be fixed. We don't know that there's something there because we're just living our life and we're moving forward and we have no concept of that. And the betrayal for me led me to these deeper pains that I didn't know about these things that I had uncovered with the pain. And as I got curious and I stopped blaming my husband and I know like, isn't it justifiable if you actually knew the details, you could say, girl, you could blame him for the rest of your life for all of the pain you've ever experienced. Literally, like if we looked at it from the surface level, I could blame him for everything. But the reality was, is that my pain was so much deeper than what he had done. My pain linked back to a story that I was out of touch with, with myself. My pain was linked to things that I had subconsciously pushed away, did not know, did it for survival. And then I show up in this relationship the same way. And I can own that now. I can own through this journey. If there is something that is triggering me, I can go, okay, this is something that I need to look at within myself. That is a cry of a deep younger part of me that is needing healing, needing to be known, needing to, to have the space to process this all the way through until it's complete. And, you know, healing is not linear. It is, it is the most interesting thing. Like, uh, I did a post yesterday on my Instagram where I was talking about how the number one thing that I learned is that you'll think that you're done with something and then you'll like hit a spot and you're like, wait a minute. I thought I, I thought I worked through that. And I've said this many times and I talk about the Rubik's cube and I really want you to understand this. I'm giving you a visual of the Rubik's cube because the Rubik's cube is the clearest understanding of how you can flip one area of the healing. And then there's another part that you need to adjust. And this is why it's good to understand it's not linear because right now, here I am four years later, and there is stuff coming up within my body and it's good. And I hate it at the same time because no one wants to feel pain. But the reality is, is if I sit with it long enough with another person and allow myself to process that I can heal. And I did not know this early on in my story. All I could think of was what he did. And like, it was his fault. And like, he's the one who's caused me all this pain. But then there was this other piece of me that I learned about in the midst of that. There was this other piece that would fantasize about another person coming to rescue me. And that part had been there forever. You guys like this part has been there since I can remember. I remember being a little girl, very little, like, I want to say like five or six, maybe. And sitting with my parents. And, um, I used to do this thing to my dad. He, when he wouldn't shave, he'd have like the pricklies and I would like, like try to squeeze them out. And my dad would say they were bugs or ants. And I would try to like squeeze them out of his face. And I remember doing that really little and telling them how I really liked 
the the neighborhood boy and my my mom being really alarmed by that and looking back now her alarm was probably right in some aspects because I was very um disconnected in some ways emotionally I and and I say disconnected because I had a severe anxious attachment um, back then. I was afraid to be alone. I was afraid to um, go anywhere by myself. And I can see now why that is. But back then, obviously, I couldn't. And I think it was causing some alarm in my mom that I was like, really like, I really like this boy at this really young age. And looking back now, I can see, well, yeah, I was looking subconsciously, even back then, for somebody to rescue me from this emotional turmoil that I was in, this pain of deep aloneness that I was feeling in my relationship with my family. And now I can see, oh gosh, like that part of me was so little and just really needing somebody back then when it was appropriate. And I really want to reiterate this at five and six, it was appropriate to long for a rescue because I'm five and six. I don't have the ability to rescue myself at five and six. I needed my dad. I needed my dad. I needed my mom to come in and help this part of me just to be with this part of me, just to sit with this part of me and be curious about that part of me that was so anxious, so fearful of losing And instead they didn't know how to do that. So then I carried that over into my adult relationship. So with this, you know, what I've been sharing is parts of my story, but the biggest pieces that are takeaways were the, the common theme in my betrayal trauma was, and has been, um, why, when I'm this, why, when I'm all of these things, like I'm you know, I could take care of you. I'm this, I'm that, because there's a part of me that has really strong self-esteem and I believe that's my core. Um, but then there's some of the betrayed parts and the anxious young, younger parts of me that are not connected to that part of my core. And so I really want to help you to understand this. You are not all fractured, right? There are parts that have some of those fracturing and those, um, uh, well, shattering, I guess is the better word, especially with betrayal. I feel like that brings a real shattering. Um, so there are parts of you that are still intact. And so I'm connected to those parts in the majority of the time. But then when these betrayed parts that are really young, that don't understand, um, like for example, when I was, even when I was born, One of the main things that my mom and my dad both would say was like, when I was born, like even the doctor was like, she's so beautiful and like took me around to the whole, um, uh, like ward, I guess back then the whole, um, pregnancy ward or what delivery ward or whatever. And like showed all these brand new moms, like how beautiful I was as a baby. And so for me, I never struggled with my looks growing up because it was reiterated all the time, how beautiful I was, how talented I was. But then there was a fracturing because, because I had such high emotional pain and trauma, I wasn't able to connect in a lot of ways to things in order for me to be good in school. I wasn't able to be 
quite as logical. And so that took me time to heal those parts of me to connect to the fact that, wow, I'm actually really smart. I can retain information. I can take tests and do okay. And without going into dysregulation, but for years, I couldn't do that. I would be completely dysregulated in tests. And so I would fail things. And that was because of unprocessed pain that I wasn't aware of, or just fear of not making it. And so there are parts of me that were good and whole and had good self-esteem. And then there are parts of me that were not. And those parts of me became triple shattered, I would say, in betrayal. And so these parts over here would would talk to my core and be like, uh, wait a minute, if you're this over here, then why am I feeling like this over here? I don't feel beautiful and like smart and like uh, creative and, you know, special or whatever, whatever the, this part over here does feel in wholeness, this part would say, well, like if that was the case, then why did he do that? And so as I've gone through my journey and healed multiple layers, there's still more layers, like four years, you guys, I'm doing tons of work for years and I can help people too now because I've had enough healing, enough capacity to be able to be there for others and recognize when I'm triggered with my own clients, like this is not something that's like unreasonable for a human being. It is reasonable as I'm with my clients, when I get triggered and something comes up for me, and then I have to get curious with myself of what's happening inside of me. So then I can hold space and capacity for them, come back later and be able to do that. Um, but it, this is a process. And so as I've, as I've uh, been able to do this, these parts of me that the bigger question is the why has to do with my dad, has to do with my mom, has to do with my brother, has to do with multiple, my other brothers, you know, has to do with my sister, uh, the deeper painful experiences of the why, why wasn't I chosen when I have all these things over here? This, this circling is the same thing that I experienced when I was a kid, when I wasn't chosen in my family of origin. And so as I continue to unpack this part of me, it connects to the core more and more. So there's pieces of it that start to kind of, you know, you think about like pieces being glued back in to the core. This is what we do. This is what I do when I do healing work. This is what you do when you do healing work. And so, so in my journey, I've had to unpack messages that I received from the betrayal messages that have been there for a really long time, embodied beliefs for that have been there for a really long time within my story. And this is a process because depending on how long I was pushing that away, pushing away the parts of my story, which let's see, it must've been, I was in my thirties when the betrayal came out. So late thirties. So that means that like for over 30 years, I was pushing away painful experiences. So I didn't feel them. And I had real strong strategies to overcompensate for the insecurities that I had within myself. I didn't, I never used men or, um, I never, you know, went towards sexual acting out like a lot of the people that I do help. Um, even now, like I help sex addicts. Now we, we just get curious with what happened and where, where the imprinting happened. Um, but I, I didn't go towards sexual acting out 
in those ways. I did other things. I did the caretaking as a strategy. I did, um, you know, like leadership roles to deal with my lower self-esteem issues. And I used people in other ways to get those needs met, not necessarily with, you know, in a violation, but well, like I can be this for this person when it really was about me, not necessarily about them in the end, it wasn't. And so I've had to be, be able to face the reality of that. Like, whoa, like I wasn't really helping to be helpful to them. I was doing this for me. And as I unpack that, face that, grieve that, then these other parts of me that were, were fractured from the betrayal, um, or shattered, I'll say shattered. They were originally fractured, then shattered. When that happened and I was able to start kind of uncovering what was over that, it made a lot more sense to me of why when I had taken on this maladaptive action um, to to heal, to, to get my needs met, why when I took this maladaptive action of caretaking, this part of me was like, well, like, why is it not enough? Because then that makes it about me. And so we all have our maladaptive actions. We all have the actions that are counterproductive to our healing, counterproductive to what really helps us to face and feel. We all have those because that was the strategy we came up with as kids. And so this is just a little bit more insight into my process of what I had to unfold in my life over the last four years. Obviously, this is a process, but that real linear piece that I was talking about where we feel like, oh man, like I've overcame, I've done really well and like, that's so great. And then you get hit with another wave of grief or something that you didn't process before. That is normal. And another thing I want to normalize for you in these last couple minutes is, is attachment is not a choice. It is a subconscious response to something that is deeply inside of us as humans. We are supposed to attach to our primary caretakers and our primary relationships. And so when we come to this fork in the road as adults, where we are prime, like we're our primal fear of like losing our attachment does come up when we are in a place of betrayal, when we've experienced betrayal or harm in this way, it is normal to not be able to, to face that, like the loss. It is normal to have deep, excruciating emotional pain when your emotional attachment, when your attachment has been ruptured in this way of either betrayal or something else, even like loss, like, it, you know, grief of losing your person even if they are crappy, like it is not a conscious choice. And if there's anything that I can leave you with today, it's this piece that it is not, you are not, uh, there's nothing wrong with you for being totally unable to leave your primary relationship because they've betrayed you. It is totally normal for you to want to figure out how to make it work because your brain and your body has been attaching and bonding and regulating with the person that you are most connected to. That is normal. And you won't be able to just up and leave unless you have some level of avoidant attachment where you just can leave and that's okay. Um, but most of us are not in that place. Most of us 
have been building bonding subconsciously, our nervous system, our brain, our body, all together with the person that is our primary attachment. And lastly, all of this is a process. Years. I'm four years in and I've done incredibly <laughs> deep work and I'm still in a process. And I have evolved. I have post-traumatic growth. I am healing and helping other people from a healthy perspective. And you can find your post-traumatic growth too. You just have to give yourself grace, truth, and time. Thanks for listening. If you have found today's podcast helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. If you are interested in coaching with me, go to www.identitylife.coach. And you can also find me on Instagram, identity.life.coach.